morning, Charles Warner the third. Hey, good morning. Or, oh, or as we lovingly call you, Chaz. That's right. How you doing? I'm, listen, I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Um, thank you for having me and let me be with you all this morning. Oh, we are glad. Is this is this way too early for you? Is this is this your kind of morning? Like, are you a morning person? I gotta be. You know, usually at this time, I am at um, one of the great New Haven public schools. Uh, most likely, uh, over the past three years, it would be Betsy Ross Arts Magnet School. Okay. Are you a teacher, Chad? Um, no, I'm a district behavior specialist. Oh, you know, I did not know that. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Wow. That must be interesting and challenging. Uh, it's both, but um, I think the wonderful thing is being a New Haven native, a lot of these uh, youngsters are children of classmates and friends and people I knew or know. And so um, this is where it's really important to have those community relationships. I'll tell you, that's what makes away or breaks away. Mm. I have to have you come back on and talk specifically about about that. Because our children oh, need support all the way around. Uh, children, not just they our do. children, but children. Mostly our children, but children in general. So anyway. Absolutely. So the so the Dixwell Congregational United Church of Christ is celebrating its bicentennial. Yes. 200 years plus two. I love that. <laughs> why is this? Why, and I know you are. Years, I know you are a, a, a history person. You, you live and breathe history. Yes, ma'am. So why is this important? Like, why should we, why should we be concerning ourselves with what the history of, of Dixwell UCC? No, that's a great question. And I say all the time, you know, if you go down Dixwell Avenue, there are a bunch of churches. In New Haven, we have a lot of churches. In New England, um, in the state of Connecticut, a bunch of churches. And at Dixwell, our prayers do not reach God any better or faster than any other churches. But it, seriously, but I'll tell you what it is. Um, it is Dixwell's uh, history of living its, its creed and service from the very beginning, um, Temple Street Church, uh, which was the original, you know, what became the Dixwell Church, was active in making a difference in the lives of New Haven citizens, particularly those Black citizens who were basically ignored and left to uh, make a way in society, make a way in America with no um, help from government, um, with barely any help from the citizens in town. So these folks were making the way. And because they made that way, mm -hmm. because they made that way, we have what we have today. So really, if you look at it, Dixwell helped to start New Haven's first Black schools. You have um, the first Black public meeting spaces, New Haven's public schools, first Black teachers, the first Black teachers in town. Yale's first black graduates, Yale Medical School's first black graduates. So a lot of early things that um, New Haven black folks had, we had because of um, many of the inroads made at early Dixwell. 
So was Dixwell Congregational Church always a black church? Um, it was from the beginning, but the story of Dixwell um, being an independent church is much like the others in town. And, and this is an opportunity for me to talk about places like Varick and St. Luke's um, and Emmanuel that also have their genesis in being a part of white churches and congregations that because of discrimination basically, you know, made it uncomfortable and these black folks decided to venture out in independent ventures. And so, yes, Dixwell was always intended to be a black church, but it came out of black people who had been members of Center Church on the Green and um, churches affiliated with uh, what is now United Church. Mm. Okay. So how many members did it have back in the day, Chaz? Like, what was the, what was the, 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 the body like? Um, well, I can tell you that before the church was a, a, an independent church, they were an ecclesiastical society of early Black leaders in town. Uh, the earliest records show a group of men. No women were listed, but amongst those names were people like William Lanson, uh, Prince Duplex, uh, Robert Park. And these are all folks who were leaders in the Black community um, in the early 1800s in New Haven. Uh, of course, Simeon Jocelyn came along and he uh, shepherded them into what became the Temple Street Church um, about 10 years later after they had first formed. And uh, in the original group of founders of Temple Street Congregational Church, you have about 17 women and four men. So um, just like now, Black women have been the centerpiece and the motor uh, to the operation. Mm -hmm. But women weren't really recognized in ministry or in politics or organ organizing um, in the 1900s. <laughs> no, you're no, you're absolutely right. But I'll tell you what I feel like. Um, although they may not have been um, allowed position, they were definitely known to be the power, the force, um, the energy. And at that time, there were women like, uh, and these are names maybe that we know, but we should know, names like Dorcas Lanson and uh, Clarinda Brown and um, Charlotte Asher. These are uh, women who were not just random Black women. If you look back at things from the 18th He's frozen. Okay. There he is. He's back. Thank you all for hanging with us. Okay. Oh, you changed location. <laughs> hey, um, I think I'm back. Okay, you are. <laughs> all right, good, 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 good. So um Babs, what was I in the middle of saying? So you were you were you were um talking about the women. Yep. Yeah, they definitely didn't get recognized necessarily in official position, but um, everybody knew that they were the force. And okay. so, um, you know, luckily their names are recorded for posterity and um, we are able today to call those names and recognize them. And they are the majority of the force, but it's interesting. Um, some of these women who became official founders of Temple Street Congregational Church had husbands or relatives who are involved with the society that grew into the church. And in order to become 
this independent Temple Street Church. It definitely had to be supervised and approved by the powers that be, um, the congregational ecclesiastical authorities in town. Um, and those folks were obviously the leadership of um, First Congregational Church um, and the churches that are united, but also, um, you know, the political influence in town leadership, a lot of those folks were congregationalists and leadership at Yale University as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was a test and, and, and meetings and, you know, um, not an investigation period, but certainly a supervisory period. So if your name made it to the, to the end to become one of the founders, you have been vetted very well. And so the Barney Key is doing is is has some artifacts from uh, pastors of UCC Church from the beginning. Yeah. I imagine. Um, well, what what can you tell me about that? I can tell you that the the uh, the meat of that Barney Key um, Dixwell connection, the the meat of the materials come from the Amos Beeman collection, and uh, Amos Beeman was an early pastor. Um, at Temple Street Congregational Church, but he was an abolitionist and um, a civil rights leader in the state. And he was an excellent recorder of um, current events in his time. And, um, and he did an excellent job of keeping details and hallmarks of his personal life um, from early on until the end. And so he created a number of scrapbooks which had been in the care of Dixwell Church um, for about 130 years, I'd say, um, until the 1970s when Dixwell Church uh, gave them to the Meineke Library, I suppose, for safekeeping. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. so the exhibit that's coming up, people can go and view these artifacts, these scrapbooks. Have you seen them? I have. They're actually online. If you go onto Meineke's website, you can view them. There's a digital collection. Um, great job to Beinecke for taking the time to put that up for the public because, you know, free of charge, you can literally go through every page of the Beeman scrapbooks. But there are other documents that Beinecke has, and, um, you know, it's good to know that they have them, that those documents are still available. And so what do those documents tell us? Well, one of the things is um, it, it talks about the formation of uh, the group that preceded Temple Street Congregational Church. And that group was the African Ecclesiastical Society. Hmm. And the African United Ecclesiastical Society was really the one of the first organized ways that um, Black folks in town were able to mechanize themselves towards spiritual, moral, and social hmm. development. And so the original um, sort of is like a charter, if you will, and it also has employment information about them hiring Simeon Jocelyn to be their uh, their official spiritual leader. Uh, Beinecke has that document. And then some other things about the life um, of some early New Haven Black leaders who um, really, really made a way for us. Spiritual leader. Uh, Beinecke has that document. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so all kinds of ghosts in the machines today. That's all right. <laughs> No, that, that means we're amongst some good spirits, right, Babs? I, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I'm going to go with that, Chaz. So, um, 
I'm glad that somebody kept these records because I don't know how we would. I, you know, sometimes the the black experience, be it the 1700s or the 1800s, is not often well documented. Um, right. And so to have a document in place here that sort of gives us a glimpse into what black folks was dealing with, what they were up against, and what their everyday, ordinary, practical lives were like. Right. You know. We know, Babs, um, you know, like I know, like our stuff might not be, when I say our stuff, I mean um, things related to Black history and culture might not be in the great repositories for information, like, you know, the large university libraries or national museums or what have you. But you know, like I know, that grandma in our tradition, grandma, big mama, might have an <laughs> attic full of materials or, you know, um, uncle so-and-so who loved to read had boxes and boxes of quote unquote junk, but inside, you know, there's gold. And so um, one thing I, I really appreciate is that um, the Temple Street church folks, the Dixville congregational people have always um, been pack rats. And they saved so many wonderful what, materials. What church is it? <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. But that, I mean, all of that stuff is gold. It, it gives us an opportunity to look back <laughs> in the past with detail. You know? So, talk to me about when did um, when did the Dixville Church move to the space that it occupies now with that brutalist architecture? Oh, it moved there in, let's say, 1969, I believe, was the first um, The first services were held at the end of 1969, beginning of 70. Um, and for about 80-some-odd um, years before that, they had been at 100 Dixwell down the street, um, close, to, close to where House of Prayer is. Um, and for about 80-some-odd um, years... All right, I just need Harry to mute himself. I think that's his, no, there he goes. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so close to where um, United House of Prayer is now, Dixwell Church was um, first there for about 80 years after moving from downtown. So it moved from downtown to the current space? To the current no, space? Moved, no. Moved from downtown, uh, Crown and George. I mean, yeah, Temple between uh, Crown and George to... Uh, 100 Dixwell, and about and that was in 1886. They started construction, and they moved to Babs. Think closer to Payne and Whitney Gym. Oh, where United, okay. Where United House of Prayer is. Okay. Right around there. Okay. And then in 19, 1970, 1969, 217, where we are now. Okay. Okay. I I I would imagine there was a lot of discussion about the. the the architecture of this church and uh, and and what it what they hope it to do in the future. Do you think they right. were forward thinking? Um, I do. I think at that time, you know, it was very cutting edge. Um, the, the brutalist style um, was really a style that was um, I don't want to say promoted, but I, was, I guess designed by the Harvard Five. And one of those people was John M. Johansson. And John Johansson um, did a few buildings in town. Um, and one of them was uh, Dixwell Church. And it's interesting because many of Johansson's works are actually being taken down. So ours- Really? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that style, you know, it's a unique style. And at the time it was cutting edge, but you know, uh, 
design aesthetics change. And, um, you know, there was one that was down in, I believe, Fairfield County that was um, taken down a few years ago. So um, there is interest from uh, people who are into uh, unique buildings and um, important design aspects, uh, like the Preservation Trust has been very interested. And um, if you don't know it's a church, people sometimes are like, where do you go? When I try to describe the church, I'm like, you know, that castle fortress looking thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it as a castle fortress. But I, I now, now that you say that, I see it. <laughs> um, well, there are two things. Um, one was that there was some basis on an ancient um, temple from the Holy Land. And then the other thing is that if you look from the top down, so I suppose if we were in outer space or in a plane, is supposed to look like a prism with, um, I guess, light radiating, radiating out. Uh -oh. So in order to really catch the design, you would have to see it from the top down, okay. which is very interesting, which is very interesting as well. well maybe y'all get a, a drone and fly up there and take some, take some footage. Take some footage, right? Uh, that's yeah, a little drone. Take a drone and like, you know, let the drone do its work, you know? So. Right. All right, so we're celebrating 202 years. You're having a luncheon. Um, Charlene Hunter-Galt is the speaker. Yeah, absolutely, which is a great tie because one, a journalist, but two, she's a civil rights icon herself. You know, as a young woman integrating um, UGA, um, you know, our church has a, a long history of civil rights, human rights work, and so it's right in line with having someone like her be the uh, speaker for the luncheon. Mm-hmm. So when did the when did the church decide on the UCC denomination? Because there's a lot of other denominations in town. Like why didn't it become African Methodist? Why didn't it become um, you know? Oh, okay. Well, that's a good that's a um a good question, but I think it has to do with the fact that we're located here in New Haven and that the Congregationalists were the um political and ecclesiastical powers in town you know they ran not only new haven for a long time but the state i mean the legislature the governor's office and so um that's who stepped up so really what happened is once simeon jocelyn and the black leaders got this thing moving there were interested parties in the congregational church who wanted to support simeon jocelyn's work and that's kind of how it got folded in. And then Simeon Jocelyn himself was a congregationalist. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is quite fascinating. I love the fact that um, Mr. Lanson, uh, it was a part of this whole part of the, I mean, I guess if you're a Black person at any point, you would belong to somebody's church. Right, but Lanson um, was one of the forces that helped to establish you know, he, he definitely laid a foundation stone to build on, to become the Temple Street Church, but Lanson himself did not join the church until 20 years after it was established. Lanson himself joined in the 1840s, um, but, you know, before 1820 and in 1820, he helped establish the first group that grew. And I, I want to say this too, Babs, William Lanson um, had been working before 1820 with these some of the guys from the same leadership group that started the church to uh, protest against mistreatment of black citizens in the state. Um, 
he and another uh, founder of, of Dixwell Church named Bias Stanley um, protested to the Connecticut legislature to absolve black men that owned property from paying taxes because they were not allowed to vote. And mm. he understood that the American nation had just formed not long before under the cry of no taxation without representation. And this was real, especially to someone like William Lansing because his father had fought in the Revolutionary War to establish the United States of America. In the same country his dad fought in war for, denied him the right to vote. So he and Bias Stanley, you know, approached the legislature with a formal petition that black men that own property should not have to pay taxes because they couldn't vote. And of course- And, the and he was a free man. Yes, he was. Yes, he, yes, he was well, and well-connected too. That's another part of his story that hasn't been fully fleshed out. Um, he had connections from, um, you know, his parents' days. Now, his parents had been enslaved at some point. Um, and, and that's how his father got his freedom through the Revolutionary War. I, I can't imagine what it must have been like for him to sort of be a free man amongst enslaved men, you know, to be here. Because there were slaves here, so enslaved yes, people here. And you know, Babs, if you remember the summer when we uh, read um, at the Beinecke uh, for, for recognizing Frederick Douglass's speech um, about Black Americans and, and independence, um, Black people in New Haven in the 1790s had petitioned for freedom for enslaved Black people in the 1790s. Wow. Yep. That's pretty that interesting. And that didn't formally happen until about 80 years after. So Reverend, Reverend Streets is the current sitting minister. How many ministers yeah. has, has uh, Dixwell UCC had? Do you know? Yes. Um, well, I, I can't remember the exact <laughs> number, but it's, it's around 20, 20 some, 20 some odd, because some of them were for short stays. You mm -hmm. know, folks were coming to town, um, for uh, for Yale, and once they would graduate, they would move on to other locales, Washington D.C., New York, you know, places I would leave, you know, New Haven for. And so um, there were short stays, and then you have a number in those short stays. You have some long stays that really were able to make an imprint. Wow, that's pretty interesting. So they're celebrating 200 years what do you what do you what do you imagine the next 100 years will look like for Dixwell? do you do y'all have those kinds of conversations do you think all about those kinds of things all the time um one particularly because there's a declining attendance in church regardless of denomination and so with that you hope that there is not a declining significance of the church so yes we have those conversations i would say that the same problems that Doc Edmonds was protesting against in the 1960s were the same things that uh, Edward Gowen was protesting against in 1900, the same things that Amos Beeman was protesting against in 1850, the same things Simeon Jocelyn fought against in the late 1820s, early 1830s, jobs, justice, 
uh, equality, civil and human rights are always issues that are going to be um, on the on the chopping block that need to be fought for. So Dixwell, for the next 100 years, will be involved in speaking up for the least of these and fighting for those rights as they historically have. The difference is the who and the how. And so one of the things that we are uh, hoping to do is continue working with the young, the youth, the descendants of people, you know, children of the church is what we like to call them, you know, kids that have been born and grown up in the church, but also we always make an attempt to reach out to young people from the community. The Historically, you have things like the uh, Dixwell Creative Children's Arts Center. I remember uh, that. I, I, I grew up with that. I took dance yep. lessons. Me too, Babs. Me too. <laughs> I was there with you. <laughs> I remember you. <laughs> no, you do not. No, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I, did, I did go there too for, for some years early on. And then um, more recently, there was the Dixwell Summer Stream Program that serviced um, children. And I'll tell you, I must say, with the Dixwell Summer Stream Program, um, it was one of the very earliest uh, moves towards stream you know people were into the arts but we were into science technology reading um and, and the arts all mixed together and now if you look around you see stream 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 and so we'll continue to develop programs with young people and programs that reach out to people who are not members of the church but members of the community so what's the membership look like at the church currently uh, close to 150 official Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest with you, the um, Black congregational church has always been smaller comparatively to other denominations because mm -hmm. it is not one historically that um, Black people have um, joined in big numbers. You know, like you mentioned the AME church before or the Baptist denomination. Um, a lot of us with Southern roots are more familiar with those. Mm. And so... You know, usually the Black congregational churches came attached to historically Black colleges and universities that were sponsored by the congregationalists. Oh, now I did not know that connection. Sure. Okay. Howard, Howard, Hampton, Fisk, Atlanta University, Dillard, um, Lemoyne Owen in Memphis, uh, Houston Tillotson in Austin, Texas. Those are all schools that were sponsored by the Congregationalists, um, many of them with roots to the Negro College incident and the Amistad Committee, the original Amistad Committee. Oh, I did not know. My, my school, I went to HBCU, but my school was Presbyterian. Okay. It was connected to the Presbyterian um, faith. We um, also had a lot of Presbyterian, we, a lot of our ministers, Babs, um, were really Presbyterians. And after they left New Haven and went elsewhere, they, they passed through Presbyterian churches. Oh, mm -hmm. I, then I see, I see the connection. Yes. I, I can see the connection. Yes. So, mm -hmm. all right. So, so you're getting ready for this, you're, you're geared up for this luncheon, this bicentennial. You've got this exhibit at Beinecke. What do you want the community to take away from all of this? What do you, what do you, how do you want to center a Dixwell Congregational Church in the history of New Haven? Dixwell Congregational Church, the history and the celebration is the community's history and the celebration. Um, you know, it, we're not celebrating this because we are the best quote unquote church or the first church in town because, you know, technically Varick existed um, 
before us, but what we what we are our catalog of the achievement of black people, the history of black people in New Haven and the New Haven area. You know, like I said before, many of the advancements and achievements made by black people um, early on and really throughout history over 200 years have been with and through folks from Dixwell Church. And so our achievement, our what we're proud of, the community um, should feel proud of and feel a part of because it's through, for, and with them that 200 years has been possible. I love it. Have you always gone to this church? Is this your, is this your family's church? Yes, it is. I was christened in this church. It's the only <laughs> church, church home with the exception of Trinity Church on the Greenwood. I attended for about three years uh, when I was in the Trinity Boys Choir. Uh, but this is my church home and my parents. Uh, my dad uh, grew up AME and my mom was United Methodist. And when they moved to Connecticut, definitely about three years after they had been married, they uh, joined Dixwell and had been there. My dad, it's almost 50 years for him. Wow. And so, and so when you have conversations with your dad about the history of the church, or do you have conversations with him about what it meant to be in this church? and what All is, the time. So what is, he, what is his take on this? Um, that in order to make any progress you can't do it by yourself you need to be in a place that is motivating you and pushing you um, for change and for excellence um, and you need to uh, join up with people who are about the same purposes that you are the other thing is you gotta be in a place and and be behind or next to people who have a vision if there's no vision, there's going to be no progress. Wow. That's pretty powerful, Chaz. And I suspect, I suspect now, are you on the leadership board of your church? Are you part of their council? Um, well, I am on the church council, but I'm on the church council because I am uh, chair of the history committee. So um, that that's what I do. I, I um, look after and that's a good choice <laughs> yeah well it makes sense you know and I, let me say I was trained well um, there's a woman who did this job for many years and I couldn't do the work that I do um, I couldn't share the information I share without the work of a few people but one of them most recently has been uh, a woman by the name of Margot Johnson Taylor who's a New Haven, New Haven native um, and grew up in Dixwell Church and she for many years was the, was the historian and the chair of the history committee. And I worked with her when I came back from college um, and we still collaborate now. So I'm literally sitting in her seat. As, oh, I love as that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, lo- I love that. So I, I suspect that um, Dixwell Congregational UCC will find its way for another bicentennial the next 200 years. I Man, imagine. Look, if people like William Lanson, uh, folks who had been formerly enslaved, people who were the children of slaves um, could build something and then it could be tended to through um, Plessy versus Ferguson, through the Civil War, through um, the Civil Rights Movement and still be here. We have an awesome task and we should be able to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So before Another I let you go, do you does the church have great conversations around how do we get more people to come back to church or come to church? 
Do you have those yeah. kinds of conversations? <laughs> yeah, we do. And it's funny because everyone has like a different way and a different plan and what we should do. Um, and it's very interesting because I think a lot of that is is based on what your experiences were. Um, coming to church or, you know, wherever you were from, what attracted people to church or what you did there. So what it does do, it, it creates a lot of creative programming. And if you look over the years, we've been able to do, you know, all kinds of concerts and recitals. And, um, all those ideas come from the different people with different ideas on how to attract people um, to church. Um, so yes, we do have those conversations all the time. Thank you so much for being a good representative of uh, Dixville Congregation of Church today. Um, Thank happy you for Bicentennial, <laughs> plus two. Plus two. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, I appreciate you, Bass. So the, if y'all go to their website or go to their Facebook page, you can find the information for um, the luncheon, the tickets for the luncheon that's going to be at the Omni. I think it's coming up right soon, the 24th or the, the 24th. Right. And then Saturday, uh, Beinecke was, um, you know, so gracious to, to host us um, and sharing um, documents that they hold with the community. So if you go to Beinecke's uh, website, you'll be able to register to come in uh, in the afternoon on Saturday the 17th to take a look at these documents in person. All right. That's a good, that's a good thing. So thank yes. you so much, Chaz. It is always a pleasure to talk to you. I want you to no, come back anytime. I, I All right. Well, you just let me know and I'll be back. Thank you for I, having me. I will because I, I, I am fascinated by this. And I'm sorry to get a chance to see the go, come and be with y'all for the for the film about the HBCU that almost was in in right. the uh, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yes, uh -huh. I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of years ago on Yale's campus. Uh, but I wanted to see it with y'all. But I'm sorry to get a chance to see it. But don't worry, we're gonna do it again. So I, I'm know, glad to hear it. And you know, you'll hear first before anybody else when and where it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chaz Warner. It's always a pleasure. Have a lovely rest of your day and a great you weekend. Too. All right. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. All right, y'all. Thank y'all.
Wheels keep spinning to the morning light. Wheels keep spinning to the Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning light. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning light. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning light.